Well, good morning. It is so good to be here with you. I um, announced last week that Jennifer and I were going to be going on a trip, but that trip doesn't start until next month, so you're stuck with me. Uh, but as I appreciate the, the calls and the texts that you've, you've given. Some of you thought that I might uh, already be over in the Holy Lands, and we're not there yet, so we're, we're dodging whatever's being sent that way and uh, praying for the, the folks who are there who are dealing with that, um, the violence that's taking place. Uh, you know what, there's a lot of different heroes that you may have in your life. You may think of a baseball player or uh, uh, maybe you think of an, an author or uh, a business uh, woman or a businessman that really impacted your life. But for me, really, just, I mean, it's no surprise. Like, my hero is Jesus. I love Jesus. I admire Jesus. I want to be like Jesus in, in most of the ways. Um, I love the way that Jesus could teach. I love his ability to teach, his parables, these stories that he would weave together. I mean, how many of you, like, you, you read about uh, the, the Good Samaritan, that parable that he told, and you can just imagine what it was like, this, this guy on the side of the road and all these people passing by, but it's the Samaritan that stops. Or how about when he tells the story about the young son who says to his dad, you know, just give me my money, I want to get out of here. And we call him the prodigal son, the lost son. And he goes off and he's in the far country. And then he comes to his senses. And there's just no story that I love better than that one of imagining this boy walking up that little driveway and the, the father running to him with open arms to welcome him back. I just, I love that Jesus had that ability to teach. I love that he knew the scriptures so well. In fact, if you were to take all the gospels, there's about 1,800 verses, 180 of them, 10% of them are Jesus either directly quoting or referencing the Old Testament. He knew the Bible and he knew how to use it in context and share it with other people. His Sermon on the Mount is just the greatest sermon that was ever told and it was powerful and it was comforting and in some ways it really just pushed buttons of people who needed to hear those things but just didn't know how to change their lives and Jesus offered that another thing that I loved about Jesus and I love this so much is he really had the ability to connect with people I really, I wish I could connect with Jesus the way that he connected with people. I mean, all sorts of people. The woman at the well who was like shamed into what she was doing and, and her past and her brokenness. And he connected with her in such a way that she ran to the people she had been avoiding to tell them about this guy named Jesus. And then there's the, the, the really the opposite. You have Nicodemus who shows up at night and starts asking questions about Jesus. And his life is going to be completely changed. He's going to be one of the guys who takes the body of Jesus off the cross to bury him. He had that ability to connect with people, for the bleeding woman to fall at his feet, for Zacchaeus to want to climb up on that tree, for Pilate who didn't want to kill him. Jesus has this ability to connect with people. 
And a lot of it has to do with another thing I really admire about Jesus is his love for people. He just seemed to love like, like nobody else could. And, and he, he, he wasn't biased. He wasn't prejudiced. He loved people regardless of where they were or what they've been. He just cared for them. Whether it was the criminal hanging next to him on the cross or the sick or the sinful, or the lowly, or even the rich man. It says he looked at him and he, he loved him. I love the joy that he had. Now, all, we, we don't have a lot about the joy of Jesus, but one thing that makes me believe that he was just a joyful person is the way that the kids would come up to him. I think that was something that was really special. I, I admire that about Jesus. I, I want to have that that ability. And I want to have the ability to do what Jesus did when he would say the right things. He knew exactly what to say at just the right times. He knew when to offer a word of comfort. He knew when he needed to offer like a mild rebuke. You know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then he knew the times where he just needed to use the wrestling term to come off the top rope and just land on something and say, you whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but you are rotting and disgusting on the inside. I loved how he knew what to say. I loved how he knew that there were some times you just shouldn't say anything at all. Man, I wish I could master that. But I'm so far from that. You know what I really love about Jesus was his power. Does anybody else want to have that power? I, I mean, we don't have a lot of it around here. But like, there are some places in Lee County that have water. It's probably not deep enough that if you went to the bottom, you wouldn't be more than waist high. But I still wouldn't it be cool to walk on water. I mean, do you know how we could reach people if we just like said, hey, we're going to have church, you know, out at right? That, that is there that little area, you know, we go to the swimming pool there and just we could just all stand on water and it, wouldn't that be awesome? Like how many people be like, hey, I want to join that church. They're out there. They're just like they're walking on water. I would love to be able to do that or or to catch a bunch of fish to know where I'm supposed to throw my net or, or throw that lure he had that ability I wish I could do that or the time that he pulled money out of a fish's mouth to pay his taxes wouldn't you like to do that like I'm getting hungry like we can we could go catch fish and eat them or we could catch the fish get the money out of them and then go to Taco Villa that would be even better Think about this. How cool. Wouldn't you like to do that? Haven't you thought about I mean, there's probably been a time or two that you thought, you know what? If, if, you know, if I could, I would make that light turn green. I would make that parking spot open up. I would make my food show up at the table a little faster. Or maybe something a little bit bigger. To make the cancer go away. To raise... My parents from the dead? Have you thought of that before? Don't you wish you could heal the sick or raise the dead? 
I love Jesus' dedication to prayer. I love his ability to overcome temptation. I love his boldness. I love the fact that he impacted the world in such a profound way that thousands of years later, a book written about him is still the one that's, that's picked up and read more than any other book in all of time. I love the impact that he had, that people still speak his name. And they lift up prayers to him and through him. Those are things that I love about Jesus. Those are the attributes that I want to possess. But there's one that I, I don't want. There's one that I don't want to have anything of. You know, we're in Mark chapter 12. Uh, and this is really what brought this up. Although we're not going to spend much time in Mark 12 here. In class, in just a few minutes, we are going to land in 12. And, and this is really what we're talking about. is an attribute of Jesus that I think most of us don't really want. But it's arguably the most important. If you go back and read 1 Corinthians 13, we know that. If you've been to a wedding, you've heard that recently. Love is patient, love is... But, but remember... Now these three things remain. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love, right? Well, I want to argue this morning that Paul was close, but maybe there's something that comes before love, or at the very least, it goes along beside it. It came before the miracles and the teachings, the rebukes, and the prayers before Jesus rose from the tomb before he hung from a cross before he knelt in the garden before he stood before the crowd before he walked into the temple before he laid in a manger this came before all of that before Jesus became a human he was God and to be go from God down to being a human, he had to make himself nothing. He became the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness. And what did he do? He humbled himself. That's the most important attribute of Jesus. More important than the miracles. More important than the teachings. More important than the way that he connected with people. The very most important thing that had to happen, it had to be the humility of Jesus. That comes first. He had to humble himself to come down as a human and do all those amazing things before the power of before the teaching, it was the humility of Jesus. Jesus could have bragged or boasted. He could have strutted around, but he didn't. He didn't turn the spotlight on him or argue about his rights or, or complain about the injustices against him. I don't know about you, but I get upset when the driver cuts me off, when the telemarketer dials my number, or when the waitress gets my order wrong. Because it means it's all about me. 
I often wonder by driving down the road and assuming that as far as I can see, the lane in front of me belongs to me. And if anybody comes in front of me, that's my lane. You're not allowed in it. I, you, you, this is mine. This is my food. This is my rights. This is what I believe. And Jesus doesn't do anything about his rights. Jesus never makes it about himself. Just, I want to read a few passages. Just, just in the Gospel of John. Here's a few things that, that Jesus says. <clears throat> he says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Is that, is that like your morning prayer? I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me? Same chapter, John 5. I do not accept praise from men. Isn't that a little crazy? I don't accept praise from men. Picking up in the next chapter, John 6. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of my Father. I didn't show up to do what I wanted. This is not about me. I came to do what God wanted. Very next chapter. My teaching is not my own. Same chapter. I am not here on my own. John 8. I do nothing on my own. Also in John 8. I have not come on my own, but him who sent me. Also in John 8. I am not seeking glory for myself. John 14. The words I say to you are not my own. And later on, he says, the words you hear are not my own. Over and over again, Jesus says, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my goodness or my righteousness or my power or my desire. It's about God. It's about pleasing him and following his will. And so why is humility so important? Because it's what comes first. And it's because it's what Jesus did before anything else. In his book, Humility, The Journey to Holiness, Andrew Murray writes, he says, Just as water fills the lowest places, so the moment God finds the creature empty, his glory and power flow into it to exalt and to bless. Think about that for just a moment. If we were to have a rain, I know, it's crazy thinking here. But if we were to have a rain, where's the water going to go? You think it's going to sit up on top of a hill? No, it's going to flow down to the lowest places. Where's God's power and glory going to go to? To somebody who already thinks they're good enough? Thinks that they're better? Who thinks that they can do it on their own? Who thinks that they're better than everybody else? Or, or quite possibly... Does it go to those who humble themselves and say, this really isn't about me, this really is about God? Think about the times Jesus was amazed. Can you think about that? Now there's a lot of times that you look throughout the gospel and it says that people are amazed at Jesus, but there's only two times 
that Jesus is amazed. Do you want to amaze Jesus? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Wake up, people. Do you want to amaze Jesus? Really? I, you want to, there's two ways you can do it. One, grow up around him. Have his name on your lips. Have other people talk about him, see him, but display no faith at all. As soon as times get tough, say, ah, I don't believe in God. Whenever you don't get your way and God doesn't fix everything that you want, I'm out of here. One of the times that Jesus was amazed was in his hometown around people that he had grown up with. They saw him, they knew him, they talked about him. And they were amazed, he was amazed at their lack of faith. And there's a second way to amaze Jesus, for him to marvel at you. And this is the centurion. Oh, he's a bad guy. He's, he's definitely not a good guy. But he's, he's a righteous man. But the position that he has is not a good one. But the deal is he's got a servant who's really sick. And so he calls upon these, these elders of the Jews and says, can you go on my behalf and speak to Jesus and ask if he will heal my servant? And so these Jewish leaders, they go and they say, um, there's this man, he's, he's a good guy, but his servant is sick. He asked if you would heal him. And so Jesus begins to go there. And then the centurion go and meet Jesus. And he says, listen. He says, um, you're so amazing and great and wonderful and awesome. He says, so much so that I didn't even feel it was right to, to come and make this request on behalf of my servant. In fact, you don't, I don't deserve for you to come under my roof. You're so much better than me. If you'll just say the word, you can heal my servant. And then you can just go about your business and not make a big deal about me. That's, that's the long and short of it. And Jesus was amazed. He was amazed not only at the faith of this centurion, but at what? His humility. The humility that he displayed. The centurion was wealthy. He had clout. He could have so easily gone to Jesus and said, hey, you need to do this for me. He could have listed off all the reasons why he deserved it. But instead he just says, look, I'm not really worthy. There's going to be another dialogue that takes place between Jesus and this woman where she's just begging for help. And, and Jesus is, is kind of ignoring her a little bit. I mean, he really is. He's ignoring her. And she says, you know, can't you do something? You know? And he says, you know what, this is not for you. I, I've, I've come to the Jews, right? And I'm, I'm not here for you. And then she says this. But even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. She humbles herself. She doesn't say, you owe me this or I deserve this. And Jesus responded 
to her humility with a miracle. I just think we forget. I think we get so caught up in the power of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the things we want Jesus to do for us, that we forget that what really Jesus did first and what he calls all of us to do is to be people who are humble. And so I want to ask you this question as we close out. And I mean this. And you don't have to say this out loud, but if you do, I want you to mean it. But I want you to think about this. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? And, and I don't, I'm not talking about walking on water or healing people or having this power. I'm just saying, do you want to be like, if you really want to be like Jesus, you just, you need to start where he did. You have to be a person of humility. To put others first. And to point to God. We have to let go of our entitlement. We have to stop yelling about the rights that we believe we have. We have to stop insisting that we are right and that they're wrong and that we've been wrong. Because the cross wasn't about pride and humility. And Jesus wasn't about pointing to himself. He was about pointing to God. You see, because Jesus wasn't concerned about what he was owed or what he was getting. He was about what he could give and how he could pay your debt that you couldn't pay. The humility of Jesus. His willingness to point to God. His love for all people regardless of how they hurt him or spit on him, denied him, or betrayed him. And that's what we're called to do, to be just like Jesus. And my prayer is that we can find ourselves in that low spot and allow him to fill us up so that we can glorify him. If we can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.